Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Tied into the left side for Alabama on first and 10 from their own 47. Milrow tucks it, runs, a lot of room, 45, 40, foot race, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Alabama. Jalen Milrow, 53 yards in the Crimson Tide, gets on the board first. Come on, shake that monkey, put in life if you Welcome back to Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. That's Avery Howard. We are joined now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline by Barrett Salee of CBS Sports, covers college football. Barrett, how are you this morning? I'm great. How are you? Uh, we are doing terrific. We appreciate you joining us here uh, to talk a little SEC football. Uh, I guess right off the top here, uh, some interesting matchups this week. Uh, Georgia Kentucky is the one that jumps out to me. Obviously, both teams five and zero. There's a little bit of a perception that maybe Georgia has taken a step back this year. Uh, do you think Kentucky has a real shot here to kind of put itself on the map with an upset win over Georgia? Yeah, it does. Uh, I wrote this after the Auburn Georgia game from down at Jordan Hare Stadium that Brock Bowers is the MVP that Georgia hasn't needed the last couple of years. You know, they had five star after five star and everything was hunky dory and there were no imperfections. This year is completely different. Uh, I think the biggest one is that Georgia's defensive front, it's front seven, which was the best in football, perhaps the best in college football history the last couple of seasons, mm-hmm. is awful statistically right now. I mean, flat out awful statistically right now. Uh, so I think for Kentucky, you look at what Ray Davis did last weekend. I think he's still running against Florida. <laughs> That's a problem. And, and then you also look at it like you, from last weekend's perspective. Auburn's offensive line is crap. And they reset the line of scrimmage on Georgia mm. pretty consistently throughout that game. So, yeah, Kentucky's, Kentucky's got a, a chance. But I think in terms of of what Georgia's planning on doing is they still are going to try to run the rock. They're still going to try to, um, you know, keep this relatively simple. They've done it all season. Uh, they don't care about flash. They don't care about style points. They don't care about keeping it sexy. They just want to win, win games, and they can win them ugly. So um, I think Kentucky's got a shot because it'll be a four-quarter game, but I think that will be only because of the score. And if Kentucky catches a break in the fourth quarter, then, yeah, things could get, could get interesting. We're laughing because we're up here in Big Ten West country and off air. We were like, wow, it's interesting to say that the number one team in the country has gone a little bit backwards, yet they're still 5-0. and Like, wonder what, wonder, what that, wonder what that's like. But just through the few first weeks of play and conference play now, has anything really surprised you or stood out more than you expected before the season started? Um. Yeah, LSU struggles because I thought that the the defense would be better, the secondary would be better, the um, the transfer portal additions would would pay dividends, but it just hasn't happened. And I think as a result, you get these track meets that they've been in pretty much every single week. Uh, that's disappointing because I thought that would be. Um, that would be a, a hallmark of, of what that team is. DBU would be back. And, you know, kind of on the flip side, I thought that Bobby Petrino 
Jimbo Fisher marriage would would end tragically. I mean, and, and quickly, and it hasn't happened. I mean, it looks like a happy marriage at this point, um, and now they're going into the Bama game with some momentum. So um, those two things I think stand out uh, probably more than anything else. Maybe South Carolina. I thought they'd be a little more consistent, but I'd say LSU and Texas A and M. One team I thought you might throw in the mix there was Missouri. What have your thoughts been on what you've seen from a 5-0 and Mizzou team and just what they've brought to the SEC so far in this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the win over Kansas State obviously put them on the map. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I don't believe in Missouri. I, I do. I think Brady Cook the last three weeks has been awesome, set the SEC record for consecutive complete, uh, uh, completions without interception last week against Vanderbilt. Uh, and, and I think we talked to Eli Drinkwitz on our SiriusXM show after the Kansas State game, and he himself was surprised at, <laughs> at how dynamic Brady Cook has been uh, in, in the Kansas State game. It's only gotten better. Yeah. So to me, I think with Missouri, I'm a believer to a point, yeah. um, but I do want to see what happens if they get into a track, a track meet with, with LSU, which mm-hmm. I think is probably going to happen. In the hand because LSU's got weapons and and they they're fully comfortable with being in point a minute shootouts. Uh, they can't stop anybody, but they, they <laughs> certainly are comfortable offensively. Uh, we're talking with Barrett Salee of CBS Sports. Barrett, you mentioned Texas A&M and kind of what everyone viewed that awkward marriage between Jimbo Fisher and uh, Bobby Petrino there, but it it almost seems like they've flown under the radar a little bit at four and one. That one loss to Miami right now doesn't look bad at all. Um, have you been a little surprised at all? A, I mean, you said you were surprised at how well it's worked, but are you surprised at all that maybe people aren't paying more attention considering how much hype Texas A&M had gotten in previous years? Yeah, because they're always the off-season darling, right? <laughs> right, um, yeah. And, and now they're, they're actually pretty good and no one pays attention. Uh, I think probably because Texas might have sucked the air out of that a little bit. Mm. You know, people in the Lone Star State kind of just, you know, are distracted by Texas, which I get it. Um, but I think with, with Texas A&M, it's weird because, you know, you've had all these storylines with Connor Wegman getting hurt and Max Johnson coming in and playing really, really well. And then the defense being a massive problem against Miami. And then suddenly the last two weeks, they have seven sacks and 15 tackles each, <laughs> in each game. So it's like, okay, what are you? Like, like I, I can't figure, and I don't know if there's an answer right now because suddenly defense is a strength and suddenly their backup quarterback is better than a really good starting quarterback. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I just, the, the narrative and the identity hasn't been defined yet. So I'm a little surprised people haven't been paying attention yet because they are the offseason darlings. Uh, but I think maybe there are a couple things sort of, um, you know, sort of superseding that in terms of the national perspective. But, um, that will change this weekend if they beat Alabama. I got a question for you about additions to the SEC next season. But before we get that, I actually have some transfer questions about additions to the SEC. Were there any transfers that had come in in the offseason that were high on your radar you were looking forward to watching and have performed that level? Or have there been some that have transferred in that haven't really met your expectations yet? Yeah, the one that hasn't is Peyton Thorne for Auburn. Mm. You know, he threw for, you know, uh, 6,000 yards in the Big Ten for a reason, right? Like, he uh, he might not be a superstar, but he should be effective. And, I mean, in, in big games against Texas A&M, and to a lesser extent Cal, but that was on the West Coast. I mean, it's not that just he has been bad. He's been awful, like <laughs> flat-out awful. I mean, I, I thought the, the floor for, for Peyton Thorne would still be pretty pretty high. 
and it's not, and the floor is really, really low. <laughs> um, you know, so so that is is one. And then Vanderbilt, like Ray Davis, I don't think anybody watched him at Vanderbilt um, mm-hmm. because it's Vanderbilt. Because nobody watches but Vanderbilt. <laughs> this, yeah, this this guy can play. I, I did not think that he would break out in the way he has. And, you know, part of that is because I didn't expect Kentucky's offensive line to suddenly figure out what it is again because it's awful last year, and now it's one of the best in the country. So I think both of those two things, both that, that kind of contributes to Ray Davis' success. But, um, you know... He's got a test this weekend. I mean, look, Georgia isn't what it is in the, from a front seven perspective, but he's Ray's got to set the tone from a rush perspective to give Devin Leary a shot. Yeah, now getting to the Texas-Oklahoma edition, I feel like we hear about it up here a lot just because, you know, Nebraska used to be in the Big 12, and then we know how we it was spoken about when they departed. But what are the actual feelings from SEC fans, people in the South, other teams truly about the addition outside of it being the business decision that it is? Honestly, nobody cares. And I'm not even joking about that. It's just like it's there are two teams coming in yeah okay. and i know texas thinks it's texas thinks of itself as god's gift to college football uh-huh. and oklahoma <laughs> thinks of itself as as like a, a, a an offensive juggernaut and uh-huh. it's like okay yeah all coming in cool and and it's it, when it happens next year okay maybe that changes mm-hmm. but i doubt it i think it'll change if and when they either get signature wins um, or fail mightily. Uh, but until one of those two things happens, honestly, nobody cares. Yeah. Barrett, I got to ask before we let you go there. I, th- I thought I heard some little dogs barking in the background there. What kind of puppies are we working yeah, with? Sorry about her. No, you're okay. We, she, what she's what she's is a, she? She's a, a nine-week-old, so she's still oh, uh, what kind? yappy. What kind of dog? A uh, golden retriever. We have a nine-month-old, go- a nine-week-old golden retriever and a nine-year-old golden retriever. Oh, oh there you go. You got both yeah. ends of the spectrum there. Well, I'm a big dog guy, so yeah. never apologize for the dogs barking in the background. I've been on your end of it uh, more than once. So <laughs> I uh, I appreciate the uh, the puppy training you got going on over there. Good luck with, the, with all of that. <laughs> it's not going well. <laughs> I can tell you it's not going well right now with uh with football season for me and my Mm -hmm. wife doing like seven different things at the same time it's not it's not well but it's there's a goal in mind it's going not reaching it yet (laughs) we 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 know it's there somewhere well good luck and godspeed with the puppy training and hopefully (laughs) that you don't get too many of those little demon teeth bites before the teeth fall out with those puppy teeth i've already gotten plenty (laughs) barrett we appreciate your time thanks man Thanks, That's Barrett Salee of CBS Sports. We'll never complain about hearing puppies on the radio. No. Uh, we'll wrap up the show next here on Herd at Sports Radio.